Hello, this is Christopher Walking. You're listening to the Metal Notary Podcast. Today we're going to talk about favorite live metal albums. You need to listen to these guys. Fucking genius. Greatest guys I've ever heard talk about metal. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, at Metal Notary Podcast. And follow along with the show, metalnotary.com slash episodes. I realize this sounds like a retarded Christopher Walken, so I don't know if I'm going to do it anymore, or maybe I need to work on it a little more, because it's sounding kind of like Millie's taking over, and I don't... Look, shut up, Chris. This is my block. You got to get through me. Me and the back line of Creator will take you down. This is Guys, it's Millie. I, I want to tell you guys: follow uh, Bill, Adam, and Matt on Facebook and Instagram at Metal Notary Podcast. You can follow along with the show at metalnotary.com/episodes. Uh, and today we're talking about favorite live metal albums. Uh, fuck you, Christopher Walking. Anyway, back to you guys. <laughs> uh, thanks, Millie, uh, for yeah. jumping in there. That was yeah. uh, thanks. That was thanks helpful. to uh, Christopher Walking for trying. And it, uh, it was his first take. I mean, we, we uh, yeah. We'll, that was Again, awesome. Guys, I tried to give you the, the best. It wasn't big, good it's enough. Not good enough. Sorry, Chris. Chris. Maybe, maybe next time. Work on it. Go hang out with Billy on the couch. He might give you some pointers. Yeah, I'll do what I can. Uh, show him what's up, Billy. Anyway, great. yeah. So we're going to talk about some uh, some live metal albums, our favorite live stuff to listen to. So, uh, And as always, your resident metal nerds, Matt, Bill, and Adam. And uh, I don't know, to me... Live music is just kind of where it's at. It's like I like studio albums, but seeing a band live in the in the real, just just I don't know. I like it, it when just it's, gets me going. Yeah. I like oh, it when yeah. it's like when it's a good performance, like when they're all tight and they're all on, and it's like a good show and good energy and all that. But it's like because we've all been to shows where you know, and everybody does, just like at work, everybody's got a bad day. It may not be a good set or whatever, but generally most shows, like when they're good. They're fucking really good. Yeah. And with a live album, that kind of has to be like the like the souvenir, I guess, of the show. I mean, it, in my mind, a live album should be like, if I wanted to go see a band, this, this would be like the experience of what it would be like to see that band there. That's what any good live album should convey. And I think oh, the yeah, ones we should, have here definitely convey It should that. excite you. It should make you want to go, I don't know. You yeah. Know? think i want to go to that and sometimes it's fun with live albums because you get you get stuff that you don't get elsewhere like you get the on-stage banter that's always fun well and a lot of bands will morph some of their songs into other songs you know what i mean they'll they do different kinds of segues they won't necessarily play everything start to finish right you know and you know, like typo would do that like where they no, like every every song like, yeah but plus you know they would break out covers sometimes you know what i mean you'd see a band you wouldn't expect do you like cover you would never expect yeah, you know? or just so jam even. yeah sometimes they'll just yeah. jam yeah sometimes yeah, that's the fun spontaneity of it but it's like in a way if, if a band is gonna i have kind of a weird thing with that because it's like in a way if, like if there's a song like a dream theater song i mean that's got a lot of moving parts and technical i'm not checking just them but i'm just saying you kind of don't want to hear them veer off the path too much but at the same time if they played the same song five hundred thousand times it's like eh, mix it up a little yeah but then like typo that's kind of their personality is just ah fuck it we're not gonna do album perfect stuff we're coming out and having a good rock and roll time tonight i don't know if i like i can't recall ever going to see a band and thinking god that just wasn't very good can you guys uh probably on the local level you know there's been a maybe a local band sure but but yeah Yeah, talking about a a major touring act yeah. yeah i mean it's i can't think of anybody that (laughs) that <laughs> I was disappointed that oh man they didn't sound very good you know yeah I mean most of them are usually pretty solid I don't think yeah. I've seen too many that didn't sound good but you know it, and it could be even worse too like if they've got a good set and a good show but then it's like if the production's shit or if it doesn't sound right that'll just that'll destroy the whole experience yeah I mean I, like I have seen good. I've seen shows where the mix was all wrong and you're just like 
Yeah. That, that aspect of it is kind of disappointing. But Well, some live albums are like that. Oh, I'm yeah. sure at yeah. some of the live albums that we've heard, when you're there, it's probably, obviously you're caught up in the moment too, so it probably sure. sounds great and everything's right. good, but then you actually hear the live album and it's like, uh, it's like a little flat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess you can never completely capture the essence of that experience. I mean, I'm sure with production quality now, it's better than it was. Unless it's live after death. Yeah. <laughs> Which that one, uh, live after death is, that is one of those metal albums that it, it pretty much has everything you, to me, I think that's exactly what a metal album should sound like. The production is amazing. It's clear. Yeah, it's crystal fucking clear. It's perfect. My only bitch about it is that the CD version actually had a couple tunes. I think it was the whole Hammersmith side basically cut off. Except yeah, I think they've song. remedied that. They re-released it, I think, as like a double. <clears throat> but yeah. the, the cassette had that whole Hammersmith side. Yeah. You're and right. that that kind of really tied it together. It was yeah. like it it made it it made it what it needed to be. You know, it's like when I got the CD, I was like, oh, kind of let I just down. I just know that uh, as a burgeoning young metalhead, this this album and the uh, I had the VHS. Me too. I yeah. don't I don't know how many times I watched that. Oh man, a million. Was, even to this day, if I could hop in a time machine, go back to see a concert, I would go to that, I would show. Go to that show. Absolutely, yeah. that would be my first top yeah. of the list. Yes. Holy shit, so the first, so I was looking at the dates on there. So they did multiple nights at the Hammersmith Odeon in London, and then they did a couple of Long Beach, because the video of Live After Death is a different night than the album, right? Yeah. Or, or they yeah, they recorded several in. nights in uh, London and several nights in uh, Long Beach. Holy shit. 14, 15, they basically did four four nights in Long Beach and... Wow, I did four, four nights, nights in, in London too. Damn, these guys are monsters. Well, they played. Uh, I mean, they were maiden, so there's that. That sounds so good, man. Everything like it just takes me back to just nothing but good times. Oh yeah, yeah. So being back to the beginning of high school because that I got that right around like when I started high school. So when I started getting really into metal, and someone had that and gave me like a copy of it, and I heard like. Churchill's speech and Ace's High, just the production. I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. Yes. Yeah. On that on that tour, I think I read they played 189 shows wow. for that tour. Wow. Like solid, like continuous, or did they like go home for a week? No, it was over. It was, I think it was like over 330 days or whatever the number was, but 189 shows. Dude, that's a that's an intense itinerary right there. Which is uh, one of the reasons they kind of decided to do a live album to document that and to also kind of give them a little bit of a break before they recorded. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that came out in, in 86, well, was it? No. Power Slave was 84. This was 85. Okay. And then uh, Somewhere in Time came out in 86. Was 86. Yeah. That's right. That was with the keyboards. Yeah. A lot after death. That year, the, that and uh, Turbo, everybody was crying. Cried they were, about they Turbo. Were using, well, they were using Keyboards guitar, guitar sense. Like, <laughs> you have no idea. Just wait. But yeah, but yeah, this album, uh, that tour, that whole era was the kind of the classic Maiden lineup: Bruce, Dave, Adrian, Steve, and Nico. <laughs> just the just the tone of that. I think for live album production, because one of the things that I always thought was fascinating about live albums in the seventies. Like even like Kiss Alive, because all of Kiss's stuff sounded kind of flat in the studio, but then they put out, and I know they did some studio massagery, yeah. But I mean, it sounded more like, but there were other live albums too, like Frampton Comes Alive was even like, it was like a bigger, fatter production feel. Yeah. And I think Maiden kind of capitalized on that production quality because their records sounded good. You know, Power oh, yeah. Slave, Peace of Mind, they sounded good. But Live After Death just sounded so much bigger and fatter and fuller and crisper and just the well, production just, overall was weird. They were so on their game. Big time. I mean, it was like just so much energy. It was a machine energy. at that point. So much energy. It was a machine at that point. The Maiden Machine. So many good so many good tracks. Yeah, they're all good. It's like it's hard to pick a favorite, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're all good, start to finish. Yep, front to back. 
Gotta love Bruce's talking to the crowd. That always lights me up. Scream for me, long bitch! Scream for me, long bitch! Yeah, they had Iron Maiden kind of up in the track list. Usually, they seems like these days they play it more towards the end. But oh yeah, but this was still what eighty. They were only four or five years into putting albums out at that point. So yeah, wasn't necessarily the classic like it is now. So. No. I was trying to think on the CD version. Did they release any of the last one, two, three, four, five tracks on Love After Death? No, the last, the last I, one I, I think is stopped it running free. Running free, okay. So yeah. it was because I have the disc right here, and I'm always sad because I don't get to listen to <laughs> those other Because yeah. I think no Rap Child or Twenty Two. No. Yeah. Well, I think that Shame. whole side just kind of ties it together, like. Nicely, yeah, it finishes out the album nicely, so that's why I kind of feel you know cheated. The original CD release version doesn't have right those down. on it. Well, plus, I mean, the album cover, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah come it's on, a metal as fuck <laughs> album yeah. cover. especially the LP, you know, you oh, open yeah. it up and uh, it's gatefold. just yeah, it's awesome. I had that, had uh, that sleeve in there, had all that information. I just I like that kind of crap, you know, mm-hmm. what they used, what kind of gear they used. That was pretty amazing when they talked about all the different things and the lights and like the schedule of the, like the crew. Yeah. Like when they would start, like when the, you know, like all the light guys would get there and the sound guys and like they build the stage. It was like, it was a full fucking day. Oh yeah. Like, holy shit. And they're sitting there probably doing, you know, hookers and blow behind stage. Or, <laughs> well, no, Bruce is probably out roller skating in the parking lot trying to get his lungs ready for the... Apparently that's what he does for warm-ups now is he like roller skates and like goes out in like a parking lot and like sings the set huh. while he's roller skating to keep his stamina up and keep him. That's just, that was interesting. Bruce Bruce. Give it to Bruce. The master Bruce. Yeah. He's a pilot flying high. Uh, next on my list, right in that same uh, wheelhouse, I guess, uh, Judas Priest, Priest Live. Holy fuck, I didn't know it was recorded. Did I not know it was recorded at the Omni? When I put this together, I was like, I was thinking the same thing. It's, it seems like I knew it, but I guess I forgot it. Maybe, but wow. uh, right here in uh, Atlanta. Interesting. I always liked the production of Priest a lot. I thought that was kind of the same thing because a lot of Priest songs, the studio releases to me were kind of a little flat. Just you know, I mean, just limitations of production quality. Because then when you started getting to like the '80s and the production was getting better, it was like when a live album would come out, it would be like, all right, man, that's gonna sound fucking fat as hell so to me I always thought Priest Live had that really big fat huge sound I always thought that was a interesting opener out in the cold because it's a little bit slowish slower moodier kind of track I mean I like the song I think Heading Out of the Highway would have been a better opener personally sorry guys not sorry Rod not trying to tell you guys what to do but or the Sentinel something like that yeah the Sentinel guy. But, you know, being in bands, you know, you do kind of want to warm up to sort of get into it. You don't want to start off with, hey, man, let's play the most technical, insane thing we've got. First song. (laughs) Oh, man, I don't know. I'm exhausted the rest of the time. Yeah, this is kind of your classic priest lineup, too, there for a long time. Rob, KK, Glenn, Ian, the Bassmaster Hill, and uh, Dave Holland. Bass Virtuoso Hill. I'm sorry, Virtuoso. Yeah. He's on the cover of Bass Player uh, Monthly Digest. <laughs> Ian Hill. He's like the Ingve of bass, but he's not a dick. That's what Ian Hill is. <laughs> he is. Ian, if you're listening, I hope you know that it comes from a good place. So they say. And you've met Ingve, I'm sure, and you probably would agree with us. So. But, yeah, I mean, this one's just, I guess, kind of how a good live album should be. Chock full of good songs front to back. I mean. Oh, yeah, like headed out to the highway, you can even hear the crowd, like the, the crowd work and the sing-along stuff. I mean, it's, they were into it. Oh, yeah. It's Love just, Bites. You know, I'll never listen to that the same again now, knowing that it was recorded at the Omni. <laughs> now I'm going to sit here, it's like, it recorded 6-15-1986 at the Omni. Right, right on our 14th birthday. So now, fuck, now I'm going to go back and be thinking about it. Like, what was going on when that album was recorded, man? Sorry, yeah, having a nerd yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Moving on. Pardon me. But uh, free will burning. I like that one. Oh yeah, the tones on that album too. I thought the guitar tones sounded 
really fucking huge, didn't it? Like real, like a big fat tone. Yeah, it was pretty big. Gross. Way more defined, I think, than in some of the studio albums. Again, going back to production stuff, I mean, but just their live sound was just fucking huge. Yeah, it was recorded over two nights, I guess, uh, the Omni in Atlanta and uh, Reunion Arena, Dallas. I guess they probably mix those together where it's like you're bouncing back and forth from the Omni to Dallas. Yeah, they just, and going through a lot of these, I found out. It's just funny because when you're a kid, listen to them, you don't know. It just sounds. Well, like, you think it's a full yeah. show. You think yeah, you think nice. they just started recording at a show and then ended at the same show. And some of these they record over four, five, six different nights, in yeah. different cities, different countries. You know, and you're like, some of them they might punch in stuff, like they might punch in a fucked up note or a part that was, you know, feedback or. It's just crazy how they make it sound consistent. You yeah, know? I, mean, I always wondered why on Live After Death they didn't, because you, know, you can tell that. When the song stops, that they don't. The next song is different than was actually at the show. Right. Um, I always wonder why they like did a that. A little off, sort of. Yeah. Wait I just minute. I just assumed it was timing for the cassette Could or CD too. or whatever you know, album, whatever. Running free, kind of. You talking about where running free? Kind of comes in. Well, there's a few. There's a few times where you know the beginning of the next song is not consecutive. What? There's a meaning. Little, there's a little break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where there should have been, it seems like a, a different song was there live. I don't know. Maybe I'm an I idiot. Like the way it, I'm eh. definitely an idiot, but maybe I maybe I got that wrong. <laughs> no, that's probably where they were splicing the shows. Splicing, splice it. Uh, Kiss Alive too. That's one of those for me. That goes back to my childhood. That's one of those magical albums. Yeah, like we were talking, you can call Kiss metal or not metal, but they're freaking kiss so kiss was kind of like pre-metal it was kind of like for you know it's like starting off on kind of the, the light end the softer end and it's like all right are you ready to get into the, the heavy duty stuff but they were always about the show and for some reason alive and this one alive too they just it made me feel like as a kid it was like i was at that fucking show everything it was like an experience like i'd yeah. put it on you know eight or nine yeah, years but, old uh, and just which which it. show would that be? They recorded it uh, in Tokyo. They recorded a few nights in California, a few nights in New Jersey, and the uh, overdubs, Electric Lady Studios in New York. AKA recorded the rest of the album. At <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think I think Kiss Alive Two is one of the first. Uh, I think Gene Simmons from Kiss, his actual legal name now, said that uh, Kiss Alive Two is one of the first live records to have like new stuff on it because on that tour they were going to do some stuff from the older records that was on a live well a live one the first one but they didn't want to repeat themselves so they ended up putting new tracks inside four of the record but supposedly he was saying they're the first band to do that well of course he's saying that i mean he's gene simmons from kids I mean, he's like <laughs> EF when he talks i listen to because everything that's come out of his mouth i'm sure has turned into a business concept this is true. So you got to give the man some credit. Yes. But yeah, for being uh, recorded in all those different places, so many different days, that's just sounds like one show from. It sounds complete. Yeah, it sounds like a the just the whole vibe of it. Like when it gets to the middle part, like with God of Thunder and Shock Me, and like like I guess what is it? Side three. I think if you're thinking back, I don't know. That's too much math for days. me. I don't know. Anyway, but that whole vibe, to me, that's one of those, like, puts you there in the in the headspace. That's an excellent uh, track list. So. Oh, yeah. Never got into Kiss myself. Look, you know the funny the stuff thing on the me. radio is, you know. The, right, yeah. The stuff that you hear on the radio that's live, you know, I see what you're saying about, you know, it, it, um, it puts you there. Yeah. You know. It's like part of the experience. Right. It's like a document of you yeah. know, this. this when is everybody's where I was. everybody's singing along. So that that to know. me is one of the coolest things about live albums is if it's done well, because live after death's like that. I mean, it's like I listen to it and I feel like I'm there at the show. Yeah, I think I can't remember if it was this one or the the first alive, but they the producer was it Kramer Eddie Kramer. Yeah, I think so. I think he did that one too. He, like, set up a bunch of different reel-to-reel machines with crowd noise and was, like, layering it. Oh, I think I remember To make it like sound that. fuller. Oh, boy. I mean, they did all kinds of crap in the studio. But, you I know, mean, to be fair, though, Alive, as, an, as a kid, 
that record was magic front to back because it was like being at the fucking show. And I was, I loved Kiss as a kid, so it was kind of like, and I didn't realize, I felt kind of cheated when I got older. I realized this musician, you can do punch work and you can edit stuff. And, and that kind of broke my heart a little bit. But to be fair, they did what a lot of live bands don't do so much anymore, is they put out a live album that was a testament to that. Not just some, we stuck some mics out there and hit record. You know, they actually tried to project that experience. And that's what you got. Yeah, no, they pretty much made it perfect. But, you know, to their credit, it is an experience. I mean, they succeeded wildly. Even as Beth. You can hear all the girls screaming at the cat man. I always like ladies' room. I want to hear what the cat man do. Yeah, I could never figure out ladies' room until I got older. In fact, looking back, I'm kind of surprised. You know, my parents never listened to Kiss either. I think had they listened to the lyrical content of Kiss, they'd be like, man, you can't listen to that anymore. That's just <laughs> that's deviant, despicable, vile behavior. That's Gene Simmons from Kiss, Mom. That's the way he rolls. <laughs> Sorry. Just look at him. That's what he does. <laughs> hey, Mom, check out his tongue. Don't call him the demon for nothing. The demon. Well, his, tongue, his tongue makes him look nice. I guess the Lord okay. of Rock. The Lord of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Lord of Rock. That sounds like that sounds like the worst shittiest cover band. I think that's yeah. what he calls himself. Actually, guys, uh, the Lord of Rock is opening for us tomorrow night at the bowling alley. We got a show there on the uh, runway five, what? Or, or lane five, whatever it is. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Lord of Rock, they're gonna open for Creator. Really, really good guys. Sounds kick ass, Melly. I mean, how can they not be with a name like Lord of Rock? That's kind of a rocking good name, Lord of Rock. <laughs> Slayer, the yeah, decade of aggression. Kind of live album of a different, uh, different sort here. Came out in 1991. I think the cool thing about that one is it had just this strange, because I'd never really experienced Slayer before hearing that, except for like the Live Undead EP. But that wasn't even official, you know, live Slayer album. It was just them in a studio fucking around with a bunch of other people. So this was an actual show. And uh, wow, they recorded at Wembley. Yeah. Orange Recorded, Pavilion, uh, San Bernardino, <clears throat> Lakeland Coliseum, Lakewood, Florida. Hell Awaits. Yeah, I love the way that opens. Hell Awaits. There's, there's a part, and it's it's the whole, that beginning, that whole, it's like, God, it's like, God, it's like, that whole thing. And when it gets to the part where it's like, welcome back, right before the music starts. And you can hear, like, this girl just screaming, like, at the top of her lungs. And the timing is perfect because she does it, like, right before the guitars come in. And it just, yeah. it gives it this just fucking energy. It's just like, holy shit. And when the guitars come in, it's just like a fucking tsunami of just Slayer guitar mid-range coming at your face. And it just... A Marshall tsunami? Yeah, best opener ever. I always think about that time they put their Marshall cabinets and upside-down crosses on both sides <laughs> yeah, of the yeah. stage. Yeah, that was good. I <laughs> 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 just had to throw that in there. Woo. I've been holding that one. <laughs> Hello. Back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> nice little interlude. I like Tom's on stage banter with the crowd too. There's there's one part, I forget which song it is, but he actually I think he's referring to like, you know, pitting and moshing and stuff. He's like, you know, if you see someone go down, pick him up and help him up, alright? And it's like it's like, dude, you're Tom from Slayer. You need to be talking with more command. I know, yeah, his his between so he's just like he seems like the mellowest dude in the world you know and then he starts screaming at you it's yeah. like what <laughs> but sometimes the shit will say like you know now it's time for the state of the union address war on <laughs> <laughs> just shit like that it's like it just sometimes that's part of the fun of live albums is getting the on stage banner because you don't get the some bands don't do it so much and to me it's kind of like if I'm going to listen to a live band there needs to be some on stage back and forth yeah, it just I needs like, to be there. That's part of it. It, it is kind of it humanizes them. Yeah, you know when they actually talk to you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like you go see a show and the, the people just come out, play the songs and leave. You're like, I could stay at home and do that with my headphones on and save the money and time and drive here. I kind of want to know what you guys have to say or talk to us. Fuck, we came to see you. Yeah, this this is a totally different uh, 
facet of music here, but I went and saw Hank Williams Jr. one time. And he basically just brought a chair out on the stage, sat it down, and just sat there and, and, and talked to us for a while. Really? So, yeah, it was the weirdest like literally thing. Literally just no music or anything? No, he just said he had a guitar in his hand. I mean, he was just he was fixing to play a song, but for probably five minutes or so, he just sat there telling stories and just that, that'd be cool. It was shit. cool, you know. It was just him you hanging can't get out. That on an album, yeah. You can't buy that somewhere. That's a spontaneous moment. He was talking about when, like, I think Jerry Lee Lewis used to come to his house and hang out with his parents and play piano and stuff, and he would play music with him. And I mean, just all kinds of crazy. It was just cool. Huh. I wonder what prompted him to do that. That'd be interesting to interview. Well, I mean, he's been playing for so long. I think he's. He's like, he's just going to do whatever he's going to do. That's right. It's like, yeah, they're going to I get feel th- like sitting down in a chair for a minute and just talking to y'all. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> I swear I saw, um, I'm pretty sure it was Alice Cooper when at Lakewood with um, Motorhead, Alice Cooper, and Judas Priest. Sweet. And mm. I don't think Alice Cooper said a word really? to the crowd. Really? I could be mistaken it was somebody else, but I'm pretty sure it was, it was them. And he did not say... I mean, a huge theatrical, you know, the the whole show he did was, stuff, was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he sawed a lady in half and did all this right, yeah. crazy, awesome, cool stuff, but didn't say a word. Huh. You know, fuck you, no, how you doing? <laughs> Thank you, good night. It was, there was nothing. But I'm, see, that, I'm that pretty sure it was the them, but it, you know? it's could like, be, it could be somebody else. Like you know. said, it makes it more of a personal thing, and it's like they're people, and it's like they came out. It's like you want to know they're engaged, I guess. Cause yeah, they, well, that was like. I think my second metal show was Slayer, Overkill, and Motorhead. Wow. Yeah, we've one. talked about yeah, that yeah. one. But like, I'm like, I'm like at four, I'm 14 at this show. This is a whole new thing to me, you know, and Overkill comes out and Blitz is out there like, fuck you, you know, flipping the audience off and everybody else, everybody in the audience is flipping him back off and yelling, <laughs> fuck you at him. And me and my brother look at each other like, Fuck you. you know? <laughs> this is cool. You know, we're all telling each other to fuck off. You know, I was like, I like it. And it's all good. You know, everybody's yeah. cool. Yeah. No, cool. fuck you. <laughs> fuck me. No, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Good stuff. But, uh, yeah. A lot of good tracks on this one. Yeah, definitely. I was, I was listening to it relatively recently. Is there a bad track? I don't, is there a bad Slayer track? <laughs> Period. I don't know. <laughs> don't know about that. Yeah, once again, classic lineup. Tom, Jeff, Carrie, and Dave. The only thing about that album that I got to... Here we go. Here comes production dickhead Matt coming out. Oh, jeez. <coughs> Keep in your pants. One of the guitars, the, the right-hand guitar is louder than the other one. Have you noticed that? No. If you ever listened to it through headphones... I don't know who's on left and who's on right, but on the left, it's a little bit lower. I thought who was on first. Mm. All I know is next time I listen to it now, it's going to ruin my whole... I'm going to be like, damn it, Matt. <laughs> it won't Son ruin it, bitch. but you'll be aware of it. There's a difference. Unless being... Well, surely you surely you were aware of it before you just weren't paying attention to it. Anyway, I'll shut up. <laughs> I heard it. I just didn't hear it. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it, but you didn't hear it. <laughs> It's kind of like being married, isn't it? Ah, wait, wait. <laughs> also, yes. Just kidding, honey. Just kidding. Fish Alive, Pantera. Oh, yeah. Because that was, they were one of the absolute best live bands ever. Oh, yeah. Ever. I thought that, I thought that was a pretty good snapshot of their live live stuff. I thought, to me, especially like the, the Dom Hollow part, like when they like cut those in half and all of it, really. But like that part's like, you know. You hear the book of bass? Answer me, you hear Rex's bass? It's like, <laughs> all right, Phil's talking to us again. <laughs> just, I mean, their their whole interaction with the audience was just so great. Oh, I mean, yeah. like we were at the Tabernacle watching them, and like Dimes filling cups with beer and oh, like and flinging them. them. Yeah, just like flinging the them out in the audience, you know, and people trying to catch beers. <laughs> Downing them, uh, you know, just doing the whole black tooth grin thing and. Good stuff. Yeah, Paul Stanley from Kiss. Actually, that's not his official name. He actually, uh, I think he would call that a rock and roll party for sure. (laughs) Called a what? Rock and roll party tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Paul. Anytime. Can't do it with Paul Stanley. Have to work on that. 
Yeah, I think I oh, think yeah. uh, Fish Alive kind of captured that Pantera essence. Although the production was, it kind of had that bigger, fatter production just being a live album. But yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, they were like in a very different place as a band at at that point. Well, that was like then a when Cowboys. Tour, right? Well, then when Cowboys came out, but they they were still playing Cemetery Gates, you know, which was kind of a throwback, really, yeah. to even before. Cowboys, really. That was kind of like a one of their older type songs, but Power Metal. <laughs> yeah, I even thought the new studio tracks on that were pretty good. Like Where You Come From, that had that cool left right thing, kind of like Domination, but the, the grooves on it and stuff were. Well, I think they ended the live part of it perfect. Fucking hostile. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, and, yeah. and, the, and the banter that Phil would have with the crowd is like, you know. Take your deep, deep breath. Blow out all your bullshit breath on the person next to you. <laughs> just like telling them, priming them up, getting them ready to go ape shit. You know, when fucking hostile starts. What the fuck do you want to hear? Mashing it. And I want to answer from the fucking front to the goddamn back because I can see everybody in this fucking place and so you can't hide from me. What do you want to fucking hear? You can curse if you want to. You paid good money to curse out loud. What? I love it, man. I swear to God. Alright, I know what you want to hear. Everybody take a deep breath in. Deep breath. Look. Take a deep breath. Going out all over the motherfucker next to you and give him all your bullshit breath in the face. And until we see you again, four seconds from now, everything's gonna look a little bit different. You ready, Dime? You ready, Rex? You ready, Vince? You ready out there? Actually, years ago, I'd started. I'd started a personal, uh, of course, I've got distracted and forgot about it, but I started trying to go through and, like, capture all the Phil banter on that album and, like, just compile it into one long string of just him <laughs> talking to the crowd. <laughs> anyway, stupid. Uh, but. I just think they, I mean, they, they started with a new level straight out of the How gate. How not? And, I mean, there's really no lulls in it. I mean, Cemetery Gate slows down a little bit, but, I mean... They started strong and ended strong. Fucking hostile. I mean, it's just like... I think Cemetery Gates was probably obligatory at that point because, I mean, they got it next to last. They knew they had to play it, but it's like, no, we're not going to close with that. Yeah. Because that's not a closing song. No. You wouldn't close with that. No. But... Not appropriate. Hey, the one thing I always liked about Pantera Live was it seems like they would always, uh, you know, maybe it was just because they were Pantera and you always wanted more, but it always seemed like they never played too long, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they kind of knew. They were Goldilocks-like. They definitely had the just right syndrome where they didn't they didn't go too long. They didn't cheat you. But when you got done, it was like that was a fucking they, they, Yeah, they left you wanting more. Yeah. You know? So I mean, there definitely could have been more songs than that. Oh, for yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, I mean, I think they knew what they were doing to an extent because, I mean, they used to come every other month back in the Bay, and we were always there. Yeah. Every time. Every time. You know, the one thing I love the most about the fact that we got to see Panther so many times in the 90s is that people today that, you know, younger kids today that are learning about Panther and hearing about them, you know, they never got to see him. But it's like, we're kind of like those those older people that, like, got to see Zeppelin back in the 70s. And, of course, <laughs> nobody else can ever see Zeppelin, but they can tell stories about when they saw him. So yeah. we're like those people, but with Pantera. Long and, way to get there. Yeah, but, lots of other bands, but uh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it brings us to the tribute, Aussie. Oh, the Aussie to the Osborne. Any, you got any insight for us, uh, obvious, on this one? Uh, hello, thank you, Adam. Uh, this is obvious, Osborne. Uh, tribute was a great album to make. I was sad about Randy going, but his guitar playing is totally bitching. Isn't it obvious? It is obvious. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, <laughs> love listening to his guitar playing. It, it, it's amazing. So way, yeah. way better than Ingve. Fuck that guy. <laughs> so yeah, this came out back in '87. 
Also recorded multiple venues, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, the guitar solo was actually recorded in a uh, at a record, not a record, a uh, radio studio gig. No kind of shit. Thing. Yeah, really? and they just inserted it into the song. Interesting. Well, there's a there's a because uh, they did a re-release of Diary of a Madman, and there's the same. It's the same solo section in Suicide Solution that they they've got it on the there's a live version on that Diary of a Madman, and it's a similar solo, but it's almost like it's not as polished as that that one on Tribute. But man, that one on Tribute, fucking I love that guitar. That's probably one of my favorite all literally all time favorite guitar solos because everything about it is just it's got everything. Yeah, it's just there's nothing more to say about it. It's like to me that's my favorite part of the whole album. I love the Aussie <laughs> stuff, but. Being a guitar player, like, I want to hear the guitar solo again, 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 again. Yeah, yeah. so they recorded that in Ohio. The guitar solo got recorded at a radio studio. And then the last two tracks recorded at a gig in England on the uh, Blizzard of Oz tour. But uh, Loved his sound on that, too. I think think we were talking about this before. That was probably the first time we really got to hear Randy's Maybe not necessarily his lead tone, but his rhythm sound, like a good rhythm sound, because the, the studio oh, his, albums weren't... His studio, weren't his album calls were yeah. just... A little atrocious. <laughs> but live, he sounded fucking amazing on tribute. No doubt. But yeah, so you got Ozzy and Randy and Rudy Sarzo, who's gone on to play with like everybody in the world. Probably licking and, his bass uh, in the process. Tommy Aldridge, kind of the same. He's played with all guys. Yeah, Rudy and... Tommy both went to Whitesnake, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, yeah the Whitesnake thing in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Self-titled and, album, I think. All kinds of other stuff, but... Uh, Lindsey Bridgewater, he played keyboards. Lindsey. Sounds nice. Is it a guy or a girl? I don't know. <laughs> it's like Pat. <laughs> but nobody beats Ozzy with the banter. Yeah. <laughs> He's got some great ones. Keyboards, fucking enjoy! <laughs> <laughs> Ever, I remember back in the day, like, I'd be at work and Bill likes the media. I was like, we're going to do a number now. <laughs> the very first song I ever wrote in my life. It's number titled Sweetly. We're going to do a number now. Yeah. Listening to Speak of the Devil the whole way through is just always, just, it, oh, yeah. it just makes me smile. That's one of those, it's one of those, my favorite things. Louder. <laughs> Louder. I was watching some old Black Sabbath live thing at the house and you know Ozzy would go around do his hand clapping thing you know (laughs) that little bobbing whatever he was doing and my kid walks in and she's like what's he doing (laughs) I was like he's being Ozzy actually honestly I was trying to summon the gods of metal to give me energy to continue on with the show but that's the whole hand clapping thing in case anybody had any questions we have answered it well I guess it worked huh yeah, I'm still here. I haven't died yet. I always like the uh, I'll take at the end, D. Well, I know there was an actual cool. studio track on one of the first albums, but I guess that was more yeah. like the fuck-ups and the... Yeah, I still like Outtakes got like the soft intro. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's still... Oh, boy. Anyway. <laughs> Brain fart moment. But yeah, so of course, throwing in a little bit of Black Sabbath there towards the end. Got to. Uh, yeah. But yeah, to, to tag on to that, if you really want to hear the fun Aussie stage banner, you've got to go listen to Speak of the Devil. That's that's essential. Big time. Didn't that one have Brad Gillis on guitar? Yeah. yeah pre-Night Ranger. <laughs> there's, one, there's one part. Live that, at Last, too, has some good. Live at Last, and yeah. even Past Lives, the, uh, the Sabbath re-release of Live at Last with some other live shit on it. It cracks me up. I think right before they get ready to play, uh, I think it's Symptom of the Universe or something, Ozzy's like, are you high? <laughs> Are you high? So am I. <laughs> they start playing. But, yeah, Ozzy's definitely another one of those that's fun to listen to on stage. Yes. Makes it all worthwhile. I just never understood the song titled No Bone Movies. I don't. I never read the lyrics, so I don't it's know. It's like a weird porn know. reference or something. It's strange. Bones. Are you people? <laughs> so is he saying no porn? I don't... Bone movie? Yeah, I mean... When I think of bone movies, that's the only thing I can think of unless he's talking about like Boner. Maybe it's English. Yeah. Could be an English thing. 
Yeah. I don't know about no English people. The English contribution to the world, uh, world cuisine, that chip. Shit. You know those moments where your brain just goes... I know. I was watching you and you just kind of like shut down right there. <laughs> I don't smell toast, so I think everything's fine. My smile doesn't look like Elvis yet, so... Scorpions! Yeah, from the same era. Scorpions, Worldwide Live. Holy that, crap. They got a lot of airplay from this album. Well, that's... I don't know. This is like what you're talking about, an album that just has that live that live experience kind of vibe i mean it just sort of this one just always put me there i mean i guess i was never i was never really like the the biggest scorpions fan in the world or anything you know i mean i like all the major cuts they had out and some of the other stuff yeah but i'd never dive you know done a deep dive into scorpions but uh i always liked this album i mean it just big city nights and all that other good crap but all the songs are, I mean, because they've got a lot of radio play on that. I mean, they had No One Like You. They had um, That Boys Running Wild, Big City Nights. A lot of songs, 19 songs on that album. Huh? Why did I think, why did I think Still Loving oh, It is on there, Still Loving You. That was a video from that. So, I mean, they had a lot of exposure on that album. But I remember that the sound quality, like the production of it was really oh, yeah, sharp. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Not familiar. For 85. There's no one like you. Since uh, gone back and listened to a lot of the old Scorp stuff, some of it's some of it's pretty good, and some of it's kind of like yeah. We'll listen to like the the Yuli era, like the yeah, sales of Sharon and stuff. Yeah, that's sweetness. Familiar with that Testament cover at all? (laughs) Sales of that's an old uh, Scorpion song. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize at the time, of course. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah YouTube, uh, YouTube the video. There's an old video of Scorpions yeah. playing it. Yeah. Back yeah. in the 70s, they got their old 70s gig going on. You earworm you hard, but it's worth it. It's actually, I like it better than the Testament version. Really? Yeah. It's, dude, it's, it's, it's like just, it's just, oh yeah, Yuli John Roth, that guy's a Jesus. freaking amazing guitar player. Huh. Amazing. And he was doing it without all the fancy equipment and like, you know, finger calisthenics and weights and like, you know, pro training programs you can do for your fingers to make your fingers like fingers. I think John Petrucci does like finger yoga. That's how he keeps his fingers nimble so he can do all these crazy guitar things. It's like I think, I think, uh, I think Yuli was kind of like pre Yngwie. He kind of had that sort of classical vibe going on. I think he's always been credited as kind of the beginning of that style in like rock and metal music. He was like sort of the source of it. Cause yeah, I've listened to some of his solo albums. I mean, he does like full classical pieces and stuff. It's, oh, wow. It's pretty cool. He's an interesting dude, too, man, to watch him play. I mean, he's, he plays this guitar that's just crazy. But the way he plays, I mean, he plays amazing. I mean, he's a fucking killer. Yeah, he's very fluid. Just, yeah, anyway. He's getting on up there, though. <sighs> yeah, I guess this is also the classic Scorpions uh Line up Klaus Meiner. Klaus Meiner. Matthias Jobs. Jobs, whatever you want to call it. Jobs. Rudolph. Brother of Michael Schenker. Francis Buchholz. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> whatever his name is. And uh, yeah, we'll my, my favorite drummer's my favorite drummer's name in the whole world, Herman Rarebell. <laughs> and I just uh Rarebell. Uh, got a fever. <laughs> Needs <laughs> Hi, this is Christopher Walking again. We need more rare bell here. Got plenty of cowbell. Bring us some rare bell. That was better, Christopher Walking. Walking. Francis Bucholes. Chris Walking. What I'm, was, I'm sure it's probably like Bucholes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to know Bucholes. what's in his holes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what's in his holes? It's, if he can play bass, it's good. It's good. Well, we're not talking about his holes anymore. We're moving on. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> to different things. We're going to move on to Rush. Yeah. You know, another one of those, not necessarily metal, but they're they're in that wheelhouse, influenced a lot of metal. Russ has, Rush has their place. And we will but, probably uh, at some point in another podcast maybe address that. But uh, this was another compilation recording, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, came out in 89. Kind of had more of their uh, little different vibe. Because the earlier ones had more of their 70s, early 80s kind of 
mid late eighties. I mean, you can say they kind of went more. Well, they they I like the way they kind of catalog their live albums because what they would do is and Kiss right. kind of I know where you're going. Too, they would release like a few two or three albums and then they would do a live album of those releases and then they'd do another two or three and then they'd do another live album that was a retrospective of everything back. So they would keep evolving. So each time they would like put out two or three records, studio records, they would go do a live album and it would kind of capture that era. The essence of that era plus some of the old shit that went back and played. And then usually yeah. after a live album came out, they kind of veered, they veered a into a different kind of direction. <clears throat> Okay, but the the mid late eighties was a little more poppy, more keyboard more poppy, more synth. Rush. But I mean, they got a lot of good stuff. But I like I always like the way they catalog their music that way because it seemed like it followed that natural progression where you could kind of get the essence and the vibe of the band based on because that period was a completely different before it went into like the nineties stuff. It was yeah, very yeah. different. But I just I, this is another one where I just really liked the production on it. it had a very full. Full sound. Yeah, sounds sounds good on a nice set of speakers. I'm glad I got to see them live because they, they put on a hellacious show. I saw them three times. I saw them on Presto, I think. Back yeah, in I saw a Presto, Roller Bones, and then Test for Echo, I think. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, Test for Echo was the last one before Neil had all that personal. Yeah, all of those were the Omnis. <laughs> Let's see, I haven't seen them. The Omni. Yeah, Rush yeah. The Experience. Yeah, Definitely go check them out. A lot of good songs from uh, from that era. Big Money, Subdivisions, Distant Early Warning. And I think it had a couple of the older stuff on it. Yeah, well, they finished Closer to the Heart. Witch Hunt's on there. We always liked Witch Hunt. I always thought that was really cool, too. And then the... Uh, I knew at the time when Time Stand Still came out, that was like the only Rush song that had ever had any person other than Getty doing vocals. Yeah, was it Amy Mann? Amy Mann from Till Tuesday, the 80s band. But Definitely kind that's of just your, off That's the, your nerd fact for that. Off the reservation. Like <laughs> we learned Bill something new about Rush today. But, uh, yeah, I guess the only lineup, well, I say the only lineup, but they had that different drummer on the very yeah, first John album. John Yeah. What's his name? John Ritzy. Yeah. Ritzy. Getty, Neil, and Alex. Of course, he got the rhythm method drum solo with the spinning drum I always, set. I always liked how he would come up with the names of his drum solos because they were always so unusual. Like, I think when they did a live show in Germany, I think it just was called Der Trommeler, which I think is like German for the drummer or something like that. But he would always come up with different names, but, you know, the rhythm method, it's like, ooh, <laughs> what's he going to do on stage? <laughs> this isn't the kind of live entertainment I was thinking it's going to be. No, it's a drum solo. Just relax. Yeah. I can't remember if they used uh, I can't remember which one I'm thinking about now, but they use the Three Stooges a lot as their intro. The hello, 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 hello thing. Hello. Yeah. Thing. yeah. Hello. yeah. Three Blind Mice. That was the Three Stooges. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Don't make me fight you. Sorry. <laughs> Hashtag soft intro back again. Don't, don't start talking <laughs> crap about the Three Stooges. Look, guys, I'm really concerned about Matt's performance here. You know, if, if you want me to, if, uh, I can step in whenever. Just let me know. I'm, uh, I'll be upstairs making marinara. All right, go cut the grass. We'll talk to you later. What, what is his... T- 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 quit coming around here, dude. <laughs> He's angling for your spot. Dude, I'm going to have to have a talk with him. It's like, look, man, I don't know what you're putting in the marinara. Leave out the mushrooms, especially with the magic ones, but you need to stop whatever your campaign. He wants your seat. He wants my, my seat. He wants your mic. He wants my mic. He my wants your mic in his face. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the motorhead. Motorhead. And the reason I uh, included this one mostly was uh, what's words worth. Yeah, it came out in 1978. Recorded at the Roundhouse, oh, which wow. is where Iron Maiden did the Roundhouse tapes. For Opeth did a lot out there too. Roundhouse for those of tapes. us that are that nerdy, but uh, yeah, I was on vacation with a friend and his parents. We stopped at a gas station somewhere. I don't even know where we were, but they had the little tape spinners with all your generic people crap you never heard of, you know. Mm-hmm. But occasionally I, you'd find a gym. Yeah, I was just spinning it around, and I saw a motorhead. I was like, huh? Well, I never heard of that one. <laughs> I'll it's, take that. Yeah, it ended up being a live album. But it's, uh, nice. Was it's that got, like your first exposure to motorhead? 
No, it's like I knew who they were because I'd been listening to them, but uh, I'd mainly heard your Ace of Spades and Orgasmatron. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yes. This one had a bunch of songs that it was like older stuff. They didn't really, I'd never really heard a lot of these songs. So it was just kind of cool to me that I found something, you know what I mean? Yeah. A little out of the ordinary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At a gas station. Good find. So, yeah. Released in 1983. What are the odds? Nine tracks. Wow. Well, uh, I guess if they were always an opening band, I guess that would be about, about <laughs> right. Yeah. That's uh, one of one of their classic lineups, I guess. Lemmy, Fast Eddie Clark on guitar, and uh, Phil, the Filthy Animal Taylor. Lemmy. I mean, Lemmy was always definitely Motorhead. I know in guitars they had a couple, couple guitar players cycling it out. Filthy. Fast Eddie Clark went on to, uh, well, one of his things he Fast did was, Way. yeah, Fastway. Mm. <clears throat> that movie Trick or Treat. Yeah. You ever see that? I think yeah. so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did the soundtrack. Oh, okay. Ozzy was, was in that, too. He played a preacher, I think. Yeah. Which is trippy to watch. Oh, yeah. Gene Simmons was in it. Gene, that was before he was Gene Simmons from Kids, by the way. <laughs> I actually found Trick or Treat at, like, Walmart or something somewhere one day, and I was like, mine? <laughs> and like you open it up and it's got Gene Simmons on the on the uh, or he, he might even be on like the cover of the it's got like got nothing to do with the movie it's just like a picture of Gene Simmons oh, you know, wow. like, <laughs> buy the CD Ramsey <laughs> come on Ramsey play the CD I don't yeah. like that shit Ramsey <laughs> don't ever put your fork on my plate <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah good stuff you like Mutterhead it's got some some tracks that are that you don't hear as often. And just like other things, if you like, if you like it, like it, share it, and follow it. At Metal Nerdery Podcast. <laughs> nice plug. He's trying to be subtle. Subtler than Millie, anyway. Clutch live at the Googleplex. First of all, does anybody know what a Google is? An actual... That's a the, Goog- Google. The way, the way, well, the way the clutch spelled it, I think, is the actual way you spell Google. Uh, I don't know. It's supposed to be like one with a million zeros behind it. Anyway, now you know. That's how much money Bill, Bill Gates makes. All I know is I love, 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 love clutch. I came across him by accident at a record store one time. Bought the album, subsequently got mad into him. I still need to see him live. I feel like a douche for not seeing you him live. You still have never? No. I know. Seen him a bunch of times. I've heard nothing but good things. It's awesome. Nothing it's like going to rock things. and roll church. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Are they, because if you've seen them live and this, would you say that their live albums are like a good testament to like having having gone to the shows, would you say it yeah. kind of matches up? Yeah. They're kind of one of those bands where a lot of bands are like, you know, put on the over-the-top stage show kind of thing. These guys are... It's like you're just hanging out in a room with them, kind of. They're not very animated, except for the singer, Neil. He's all over the place. But uh, Tim Salt. Man, he's got to be. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, the guitar player and bass player, they just kind of hold down their little piece of the carpet there, you know, putting their grooves down. And John Paul Gaster's just back there being a badass on the drums. But it's. Uh, so, it's so it's definitely inaccurate, because I think I have. I don't know if I got that from you or not, but I think I've got that on my. Player. I know I went to see him one time. It was at the Tabernacle. Yeah. They played with uh, Stuck Mojo. Ooh. Interesting. But anyway, needless to say, I was feeling good when I went in there. And something about the way, the way they mixed his bass drum at that show. Every time he hit the bass drum, every I could feel every hair on the top of my head tingle. <laughs> I was just like, Whoa. You taking notes from the Dave Lombardo bass drum live sound. Yeah, it was similar, very punchy. And then uh, Tim Salt goes into this guitar solo, and I, they just it just kind of melted into this fuzzy wall of violin, wah guitar. I don't know, it was wild. And then the mushroom trip ended. Like I said, I was feeling good, feeling good. Anyway, a lot of good songs on this one. Kind of covers a. I need to see them when they come back. I need to just yeah. not miss it. I mean, they got they got stuff all the way back from the beginning on this rats. And so that's really a good retrospective then that one. Yeah, because they got pure rock fury. It's such a badass album. Yeah, there's stuff from the self-titled stuff from Elephant Riders. I mean, 
all the way up. I think this is on the uh, yeah Pure Rock Fury tour. So yeah. that's a killer album. I dig that album. El Jefe, good stuff. Right. Right. Sacred Reich, gearing up for the release of Awakening. Talking about Still Ignorant, awesome. 87 to 97. You guys ever see them? Can't. I didn't see it. it. I didn't like see them. I did see them open for somebody. Damn, I can't remember, though. I always but wanted to see them. I always liked them. I, I feel like I did them. see them open for somebody. Yeah, they were badass. Who did you see them with? Sepultura, Napalm Death, and Sick of It All. That was that show God, where they had... Technical difficulties. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, it was at the Masquerade. But I remember masquerade. the show. I think they played it. Being around, I think they played at the old Roxy one time too. And I can't remember who that was. With. I think maybe Danzig. They played with Danzig. Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, I mean they were, they were as tight live as they were on the album. I right. can't. I can't wait till Awakening comes out, and I can't wait till they come on tour. I still kind of want to go see that other tour, that big thing they're be a part of. Oh yeah, the way, yeah, Guar. Yeah. Guar Second Reich against the Grain. Toxic Holocaust, I think. Yeah, that'll be a good Looks one. Like that'd be a cool fucking show. At least eleven eleven. Total yep. metal day. That's actually International Metal Day, I think. Eleven eleven. <laughs> eleven twice. Came out ninety seven, recorded during the Heel tour. Their last album. But uh yeah, it kinda covers the whole gamut there, you know. Violent Solutions, Death Squad, Surf Nicaragua, American Way. Yeah, I keep forgetting they did a cover of uh, War Pigs. Pigs. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good classic. One. It is. That and uh, Sweet Leaf. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. do. They do good. I gotta give them credit. They do good covers. Yeah. They do do good covers. Do 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 do. I just, I just like hearing them do independent on this, and then think back to when we used to do independent. Yeah, I thought we nailed it. Yeah, I thought it was good. I was impressed with it. I don't know if other people uh, were, but that certainly was. Well, that's my list of stuff for you guys. Tasty. You guys, uh, one of the one of the ones recently I was thinking about specifically. Well, there's there's a couple, but one of the ones that I thought was so cool was uh, Opeth live at the Royal Albert Hall, and the reason it's so cool it's one of those sets where it's like a DVD CD combo, but they play. One CD is an entire album live, which that's kind of in vogue now, where it's like bands will play like a whole album. Well, you know, back in uh, 2010, we went to go see Megadeth and Slayer. Yeah. You know, Slayer played Seasons in its entirety. Megadeth right. played Rest in Peace in its entirety. Yeah. Well, they played Blackwater Park, and it's, which is kind of like their Puppets album, if you want to think about it that way. That's like their the benchmark. So if you want to listen to like the Opeth with like the, scream, the screamy vocals that's more like the death growl kind of death metal stuff but they played that whole album and then they went back and they played one song from each of their other albums and so that was the whole show and of course they didn't play anything from blackwater park again because they'd already played it in full but they played like one song from each one until they got to their latest album and then that was the end of the show but it was just cool because he had like a cool on stage banner with the crowd and he's like talking to people having a conversation with people at you know, fucking Royal Albert Hall in England, huge, and there's a picture of it. You know how big it is. And I think I think the uh, I think that album cover is is almost the same exact like album cover as a, yeah, Deep Purple yeah, yeah. album cover because yeah. they have one, I yep. think too. Yep. So it was kind of a nod to that because they're in oh, all yeah. that cool, you know, like British metal and stuff like that. And then the only other one that I, I really was crazy about was um, uh, live scenes from New York Dream Theater, which came out on nine eleven. And the funny thing about that is they actually had album art that showed like the New York landscape, like the Statue of Liberty and the Twin Towers. And there was like this apple and they had, or they had like an apple that like with flames on it. And I guess the shadow of the towers is in the flames. So since it came out on 9-11-2001, the same day that God Hates Us All by Slayer came out, they suddenly recalled that album cover. But the album itself, they played their whole album in its entirety and then they played like two other CDs worth of stuff. It was really fucking cool. Mm. But to me, that was kind of one of those experiences, even though I didn't get to go. Yeah. I felt well, the Dream Theater puts a live album out every time I go to the bathroom. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the Celtic Frost of live. Wait a minute. No, no, that doesn't work. I was six to say, what are you doing, man? No, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. You're not going to make me say it. I'm not going to fucking say it. Don't. Uh, one of my favorite 
Sabbaths, um, other than live after death, has to be live evil. Yes, the Sabbath, yeah. Dio. Sabbath and Dio. Yeah. Did you ever get to see the video footage of that? They they recorded a video, supposedly. They were going to release a concert I don't know. video. I don't know. I don't recall it if I did. Maybe they did under the money filter where Tony was like, this is pure rubbish. Fuck this. <laughs> I don't know if that's what he said or not, but, but I love that album, too, because yeah. there's so many things on there that are cool with Dio doing it, but it's like, holy shit, it's Black Sabbath live. Yeah, and it sound, it sound, like, like to me, it just sounds good. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's got I a mean, big sound. The production quality is yeah. strange, but it's it's got that big, fat, huge, massive yeah. sound. Yeah, as like you said, it's Dio. It's you know? definitely Dio. The, the Dio. Can't, the uh, man on the shiny blue milk crate. Yeah, speaking of Dio, what we were talking about earlier, uh, Intermission. Yeah. The little live EP. Yeah. What did we say? I was between Sacred Heart and uh, Dream Evil. Although, the, the, remember the video for We Rock? Because they always credit it to intermission, but in the video for We Rock, it's actually Vivian Campbell playing guitar, so it's not from intermission. So I don't know if you noticed that or not. I did not. Maybe but. I'm just being anal retentive from what I remember back in the day as a kid, but they, they would credit intermission with We Rock, but it wasn't Craig Goldie playing, it was Vivian. Shut up, Matt. You're being too particular. That's just ridiculous. Okay, sorry. Sorry about it. Sorry. Sorry. Totally sorry. Another yeah. cool one, Bill, you would like would be a testament dark roots of thrash. They played a good mix of like old shit and newer stuff. It oh. came out like in 2013. Yeah, I need to it's check really that out. Really fucking cool. Yeah. I'll bring it over so you can hear oh, it. Oh, please. It's, yeah. it's badass. In fact, that kind of became one of my favorite like live thrash albums, I think. Like I listened to it a lot when I got it. It was yeah. when I was in the middle of all the leg stuff, which was <clears> more of the audience with but the content of the album was uber kick-ass nice nice yeah, it says the uh well the wiki anyway it says uh vivian campbell did the guitar solos uh, craig goldie did guitar on time to burn and overdubbed the rhythm tracks okay. the rhythm guitar on the live tracks weird it is kind of strange huh that's very oh okay wait so Okay, so the guitar solos are Vivian. Craig Goldie was the rest of it. <laughs> that's that'd be weird to like play. How do you? I gotta go back and listen to that now. That's, that's just, gonna sound fucking strange. Yeah, to me. That's, that's like, like two a, different personalities. I'm just saying that's a strange concept to go back and re-record the rhythm guitar for a live album. Yeah, I don't know how you can do that. Well, you could punch in, in the it. studio. But well, I know, like, but your timing yeah. timing live is different than timing in a studio. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I guess yeah. you just had to you learn it. And you don't have, it's you, just a strange you don't have concept. the cue to you know, feed off the drummer and the bass. Well, that in the studio, you got a click track and you got a little more precision and they keep a lot more eye on it. But I mean, it's just know, a strange concept. I've never yeah. heard of that particularly. Well, now I'm going to go. I guess that'll be my homework they assignment. Now I'm going to go listen to Intermission to see if I can hear the weirdness. Yeah, I remember that tape. Wow, that's a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big dragon. Yeah, I always like that. Sticking yeah. the sword. Yeah, it shows a picture of Dio sticking a sword into a dragon. The dragon's only about six feet tall, so that tells you how tall Dio is. <laughs> Roped into the sword. You can suck my sword and fucking like it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I could just think of somebody doing some fucked up, like, Dio corn mashup or something. Take like weird corn lyrics or something and like give it like Dio castles and dragons and dungeons and kings and Dio shit. with corn in the background. I don't know if that's like we were talking about before. I don't know if that was going to be sounding like <laughs> Dio or not. <laughs> it would sound like the weirdest version of Dio ever, <laughs> probably. Anyway, I, I put something on that. It's totally off, whatever. But uh, you know, they people are doing all those mashups now, like songs. I'll put yeah. I don't know how people come up with that crap. You know, they got more time on their hands than I do. <laughs> Drugs and unemployment. That's <laughs> my, uh, my buddy Brian posted one. I think I put it on our on our page. But it was uh, it was uh, I think funky music. White play that funky music, white boy. But it had had the original band, Rom Romstein, however you say it. Yeah. Uh, Metallica and Megadeth. Like huh. all mixed in in different parts and different oh, wow. places and i only watched about half of it i couldn't finish it but it was pretty good you huh. check that out that's it it good that's got to be difficult to do yeah i mean i synced it up perfect though. time consuming for sure yeah, yeah. 
But anyway, all right, back to live albums. Gotta be, you gotta be precise. You gotta be super precise. Going back to the Apeth thing, another thing that was really cool, they did a Roundhouse Tapes release also. And they didn't do the same concept as they did in that Royal Albert one, but the vibe was really cool because the Roundhouse, I guess, is in England. But same thing, like it was like a smaller, kind of more intimate set, but the music was badass and the production was badass and he had like the interaction. But I don't think I've ever listened to any of their live stuff. They're tight, man. I mean, they're... And they can pull. I mean, they can pull off anything they do live. So, which sometimes doesn't translate too well with live albums because sometimes you get bands where it's like they're great in the studio and then live they're kind of Zeppelin. Eh. Anyway, <laughs> I have watched some of their uh, live footage though. Different festivals they played. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, they're tight as hell. Yeah, they're definitely tight, but, just like you would expect. But I mean, you got to be playing that kind of music. There's no way you can't be. Oh yeah. I was like every time we used to see Dream Theater. Even Fate's Warning. I mean, those guys were album perfect. Oh, yeah. I mean, Queensryche. They're, they're probably were, just like, you know, it's like we, we just sit backstage and just drink water and just like, you know, <laughs> play. That's all we do. It's natural. It's a gift. Whatever. You can't do it. We're better than you. <laughs> so talented. Anyway, that was our take on great Metal Live albums. Follow us on the social media, on the Facebook and the Instagram, at Metal Nerdery Podcast. You can follow along with the show at MetalNerdery.com slash episodes. Like us. Share us. Listen to us. Talk about us. <laughs> anyway, check us out. Yeah. Tell a friend. Enjoyed it. Nerd out. See you guys. All right, we're going to do a number now. All right, we're going to do a number now. We're going to do a number now. Yes, yes, yes. Man, 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 man.